All right, we are uh, going to jump in. I'll get you to get back to your seats and the chatter. Let me say good morning to everybody who is online with us. Welcome to Callwood Church. I'm glad that you're here. My name is Sean Chapman. I'm one of the pastors here on this team. And uh, are, are you ready for Thanksgiving? Yeah, you're ready to get this done? Listen, I just got to say, thank you so much for taking some time out of a busy weekend to be with us, especially if you're brand new to us today for the very first time. Welcome to Callwood Church. I hope that you um, see and feel what we're about, and we're, we're a community uh, just trying to be like Jesus. We kind of love Jesus here, and so I hope that you kind of catch that as you go with us today, and so, but we are happy for you to be here. Now, I, I would like to ask you a question to kind of start our morning off, and it, and it would be this. As a child, who did you look up to as a role model in your life? Now, there, there are two ways that this could work. You could either have a, a role model or someone you looked up to who was living actually in your city, or you would have somebody who was a, you know, a role model at a distance. Okay, so if you got the person in your head, like someone that you have, it was a role model, go ahead and tell your neighbor who it was. Go ahead. You got like just five seconds to do this. Who are the role models that you had in your life? This is important for us. Uh, Kurt Warner, right? Like, so like that's, these are the things. Okay, so, you know, I, I've had several different role models through my life, but one in particular would, would be my dad. And this is the reason for my dad. He introduced me at a really young age to this thing called sports. Anybody here like sports? So I, like he got me set on the right path. I know some of you didn't put up your hand. I pray for you, okay? Like, but but it's, it was all about sports. Now, in, in particular, where we grew up and we lived, there was two sports that really caught my attention. Number one was soccer. My dad was like my soccer coach for many years. So I, I really grew to appreciate soccer. And because of that, I actually then began to buy these posters. And I would hang these posters in my room and of, of two particular people. And I've never met these people before in my life, but there they hung on my wall. And it was my ambition to be like these guys. It was uh, Lothar Matthias and Jurgen Klinsmann. These men were a part of the West Germany national soccer team back in the day. And I loved it. To this day, I still cheer for Germany, although I've been happy with the Canada story lately, but it's been Germany. I've cheered for them ever since because it was kind of ingrained into me at a really young age. The other sport, this wasn't my dad's, but this is one I just really loved a lot. It was this game called basketball. I absolutely love basketball. And back in my day, I had the poster of this guy who was in my room. You may have heard of him before, MJ. I mean, this guy is the cream of the crop. He is the best that has ever played. And I am so thankful for Magic Johnson. And uh, I mean, this was the real MJ. The other guy, imposter. Okay. If you're booing, just get out. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. But it, it was magic, and I always, I always wanted to make my game after magic. He was a point guard genius. He rather assists than score, and that's what I wanted to be. I mean, I had these role models everywhere around me, people that I didn't see, but then you actually bring it close to home, and I had role models that were around me there as well. I had my mom, and still to this day, my mom is like a spiritual role model for my life. How she has modeled Jesus has become very important and precious to me. It is our bond actually as, as, as mom and child. And not only that, I had this one gentleman. He was a young adult in my church. His name was Colin Kearney. I'm so thankful for Colin Kearney. Listen, if you're a young adult in this room today, pay attention to this because what I'm about to say matters. And you can consider yourself a young adult if you need to. I don't care what your age may be, but young adults, you, you know what I'm talking about. But Colin, I was this little punk teenager 
And Colin paid attention to me, and he decided to tell me a little bit more about Jesus Christ. He decided to encourage me in Jesus. He showed me things of the Bible that I didn't understand. And because of this young adult man who impacted Sean Chapman's life, I'm able to stand even on this stage today because of the effects of what Colin Kearney was for me. He is a role model. And since I have told him the impact that he made on my life, and I think all of us here today, we have got role models that have happened and shaped us at some point in this journey. And even if you're not a child today, I'm sure even today, there is an opportunity for you to have role models all around us. And so on this Thanksgiving Sunday, this is what I need you to do. I need you to find and locate that role model if it's applicable and you could talk to this person. Thank them for who they were and what they did in your life. And I'm going to phone Magic Johnson later and just say thank you for being the best ever. So, but it's good. Now, with that said, I'm going to turn to another role model that I've had in my life um, in my journey as a follower of Jesus Christ and as a pastor. Um, I've come to this other role model and his name is Paul. And we are in a series right now called Doctrine. And we have been looking at what is going to happen in the life of our church as we land on what Paul is saying in the book of Ephesians. And so, this morning on this Thanksgiving Sunday, out of chapter 1, Paul prays this beautiful prayer. It is a prayer that I have read over my own life, for my entire life. It is a prayer that I have prayed over you, actually, in our church is a prayer, and so we're going to do this together. And so I'm going to start in verse 3 and then start the story here. Will you read this first slide with me? Let's read it together. Blessed be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I want you to focus just on the words blessing and blessed us um, as we move forward. But this is what else it says. This is his prayer. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give all of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Somebody say apocalypse, because this is what that word means. He wants, to ha- he wants for you and I today to have an apocalypse in our lives. So let's explore that so that you may know Jesus better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed Jesus to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, And somebody said, that was the prayer. So let's jump in. If you're new with us today, you will um, know that we have just started a new series here in the month of October called Doctrine. We're going to take a look at some things that are fundamental to faith. But to do that, we've had to explore a little bit, like what's happening? Who is the author? So we've learned that our, our writer today is Paul. And Paul had another name as well, Saul. You can investigate and read a little bit more about his story. He's writing to this church in Ephesus, 
We know this about Paul. He is a messenger that's been sent by God to give this incredible message. And it just so happens that today we're looking at it in the context of the prayer he offers. But this is the one thing that Paul wants for everybody here. He wants you to have an apocalypse. I mean, and I understand, like, people think of apocalypse, end of the world, and disaster. No, no, no. According to the Bible, the word apocalypse is simply revelation. What God wants for you today is for you to have a revelation. And so we're going to explore what that looks like as we move forward. And what we explore here today in reading that prayer together and hearing it is really the essence of why I look at Paul as one of my role models. I love the way this guy prays. I mean, did you catch the words that we just kind of, you know, said back to one another? They're powerful. In fact, I would say that the words that were offered there are life-changing. And not only does Paul do this in Ephesus, he writes it in all of his letters. He offers these beautiful prayers. And they are prayers that I would encourage you, go take a look, go find them and see what they are because they are life-changing ones. Now, some of you I know are like thinking, okay, Sean, but you just skipped over a lot of the chapter. Like where's the stuff in between from verse three to verse 15? Don't worry, don't panic. We are going to get there. But what I wanted to do on this Thanksgiving Sunday is I wanted to start with exactly where Paul started. And it said in verse 16 that he has not stopped giving thanks for the people in Ephesus. And I I love this because it is kind of the position and the heart of what we have here as pastors for you. I want to say on this Sunday, I'm so thankful for every single one of you. If I could catch eyesight with all of you, I wish I could in these few quick seconds. But as, as Paul did to Ephesus, we do as pastors here to you. We are so thankful for you. Do you know that we pray for you every single week as a staff? That we believe that God has some great things in store for you. But we can't do this without you. We, can't, we, we need to do this together. And so it is with a heart of gratitude on this Sunday that as Paul did to Ephesus, it is to say thank you. And I cannot stop giving thanks for you who are a part of our church here today. And I have to let you know that verses 20 to 23, we read them on the screen. They really are the the whole thesis of the entire book of Ephesians. I'm not going to talk about it today except just reading it to say this. The thesis statement of this whole entire book is this, Jesus Christ. Like Jesus Christ, the guy who died for our sins, the one who resurrected again, the one who is incredibly in love with you, it is the thesis statement of all. It is about Jesus, and we are not going to deteriorate, deteriorate away from that. Tim Mackey of the Bible Project tells us that when it came to Ephesus, and especially one of the seven original wonders of the world, the temple of Artemis, the temple of Diana, this was their idolatry. This was who they worshipped. They said that about Ephesus is that it was the entire center of cultural, uh, political, and spiritual powers. I mean, this was a pretty intriguing city. It had a lot of power within it. And yet what Paul writes to the letter of Ephesians, he says this, I don't care about the temple Artemis or Diana. I want you to know that there is one central force to it all, Jesus Christ. Think about this. This is countercultural. You want to know why Paul's in prison as he writes this letter to the Ephesian church? is because he thinks Jesus is everything amidst what the culture is telling him to do. How many of you would see and know that your culture is telling you to believe a lot of different things these days? So what becomes beautiful again on this Thanksgiving Sunday is Paul's words to us saying, listen, the centrality of it all, his name is Jesus. So let's not lose focus of that. 
So this prayer that we've looked at, I love what Ligon Duncan says. He said that this prayer is life-orienting. And if you could pray this prayer with understanding, it would reorient your whole life. Take a look at those words. Don't gloss over them. I'm telling you that the verses we just read, as short as they are, it could reorient your whole entire life if you allowed it to right now. That an apocalypse would happen in your life this morning because what these verses are going to do, they are going to remind us who is the most important, and it is God. It is going to remind us that there is a God, and guess what? You are not him, and it's going to remind us to give God glory. So when we look at this, this text, it's, it's really interesting. In just a few short verses, we see this, this um, theme of location. Don't miss this. We see that Paul is in Rome. He is in prison. And yet he's writing a letter to people who are in Ephesus. So, I mean, this, this really has to do a lot with location. And then what Paul does in these verses is he gives everybody a simple reminder of another location. What he says about this location, he goes, it is simply spectacular. The view that I'm about to give you, this other location that you could pay attention to is a game changer. Now, I know many of us in this room today, um, our favorite mode of transportation on Vancouver Island is the BC ferries. Somebody give me a Thanksgiving amen, right? Like, I'm surprised you said amen, actually. Uh, but I've been in a BC ferry before as we've kind of set sailed and get from here to Vancouver. My window seat on the inside gives me a perspective of there and there, unless I'm willing to get out onto the front deck outside and let the wind blow in my hair, right? So I don't know why you're laughing. It's not funny. Beard, okay? So uh, it's beautiful. Just anyway, okay, we digress. Um, so I, I've been in BC ferries, but the perspective of BC ferries is, is much different than the view that I was able to have a couple of years ago, where I stepped in to a helicopter, different location, and we raised up above, and we then began to take the journey to Vancouver, and up from above, I got to tell you, the, the view was spectacular. It was a lot different than the BC Ferry. In fact, what I saw up there was the different boats and the wildlife. I saw the beautiful mountain ranges and the islands that represent where we get to live, which is totally cool. I saw all of these things from an ex a different, more spectacular um, lens. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to say to the people in Eph Ephesus right now, that your location, where you are in right now, is much different than the location that I'm going to teach to you today. Daryl Johnson in, is one of the authors that we have used over the last couple of years of we, as we've looked at the apocalyptic literatures, which the book of Ephesians suddenly is. And what we have, he has said is that things are not as they seem. So what Paul is saying, although I'm in prison in Rome and you're in Ephesus with all of that idolatry and the stuff that's going around, there is another location that I actually want you to be aware of today. And this location is spectacular if you will choose to see it. It is a collision, actually, of the realities of heaven while here on this earth, and God wants to do something powerful with it. In fact, we see Paul's main objective in verse 17, where he says that I hope that you will all be given revelation. Revelation means what? Apocalypse. Paul wants you to have an apocalypse, a grand reveal an eye-opening moment that will show and indicate something to you. He wants us to see something. He wants us to see this other 
location. I don't know about you, but have you ever um, used words these days and then somebody of the younger generation stops you and says, that's not what that means anymore? Have you noticed this before? My kids are great with this with me. I'm telling you, they come and tell me, Dad, you cannot say that anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is what it means. That's disgusting. Like, it's this type of stuff because language has shifted over, over generations, actually. And, and it's interesting because I want to pull on that just a little bit today to, to make this point. So in most of your um, Bibles, you're going to see what Paul prays. And he starts with, in verse 3, says, Blessed be or praise be. Some of your translations may say that. But you'll notice that when he uses the word blessed and praise, this is what I'm going to say. Praise is a part of blessed. But the word praise is not the totality of what Paul is trying to communicate to us as the audience today. You will notice that it's going to talk about blessing, and we're going to kind of land on that in just a moment. But back in the day for me, so if I'm an older guy, an older school, I'm looking at things that are a little bit different. So there was this word that happened in the Old Testament. This word was called Barak. This word Barak was an important word for us. And the word eulogatos, which you see right there, is the word that you will see as the word blessed in the Ephesians text that we just used. So what happens is that we've got an old school word that has been given a Greek uh, relationship to it. But I want us to see this because what is happening right here is that every word in the, um, in the worship vocabulary of the Bible, it has some sort of nuance including or involving the human body. Let me think about this. Mark chapter 12 Verse 30, the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God, you shall worship the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, soul, mind, strength. So there is an affinity towards some part of the, uh, the body. And it is the same with this word blessed. In fact, the word bless means to kneel or actually to bless. And this is important because what is taking place at this stage, and you'll want to watch this, to, what it is ultimately saying is that to bless somebody means that you will come and you will fall and you'll kneel. And that you offer your hands and hopefully you've got a gift to which I know my wife loves lots of gifts. I have nothing right now. Here, let me give you this cup. This is for you. Okay, she's not happy with me right now, which is okay. But this is what it means to bless. You kneel, you take your hands out and you offer a gift. Now, if you take a look again at that verse that we just have read together, it started with blessed be to God and the Father of Jesus Christ. So what is happening here is that back in its origins, it meant that we are to then approach God and we are to kneel, to offer my hands and to say, here I am. I don't know if you caught the song that we sang a little bit earlier in gratitude. I know it's not much, but I've got nothing fit for a king. All I've got is, is me. And we offer our lives to God. That's what it means to bless God. I don't know the last time you maybe have fallen on your knees and thrown out your hands and said, here I am. But I'm telling you, according to scripture, this is what his original context is. Now, the good part about this is that it says, blessed be to God the Father. So we are to bring blessing to God, is really what the text is saying. 
But then it also goes on to show us, and Naomi, if you could maybe put it back up there, because I do want people to see it. But then it says, who has blessed us. It's the same word. It's the same definition. Catch this. It's as if God himself has gotten down on his knees. And he comes to you and I today, and he outstretches with his hands. And he says, here's the greatest gift that I could ever give to you. I'm here to tell you today that the greatest gift that he has ever given to us is in the person of Jesus Christ. But you'll notice the words on the screen because it says that he has given, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Let me prove this to you again. Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26, a song that we sang in COVID. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turns, stop. The Lord turns his face to you. He gets down on his knees, which don't think of that as sacrilegious. This is the humility of our Savior. He postures himself and he turns his face to you. If you're kneeling, oftentimes you're looking up, which is again what the song, which is scripture says. Listen, folks, we bless God because he's blessed us. I mean, he's the one that made the first move. But this visual of getting down on our knees in its original context is a beautiful picture of what is happening. And this is what Paul starts in praying this prayer over the Ephesians church, that you have been blessed by God, but that we are to bring blessing to God and to offer gifts that matter. So I hope that we will be able to do that together as we move forward. Now, just moments ago, I hope that you'll remember that we were talking about location and location matters because suddenly in this, not only do we bless God and not only has he blessed us, but did you notice that Paul then gives us the next location and he says this about Jesus. He says, Jesus, the one who has blessed you with every spiritual blessing, where did it say? In the heavenly realms. And then it goes and gives us another location. So number one, we've got a location of in heaven, which means this, that there are things going on in heaven right now that Jesus has done for you, and he wants it to collide here on earth. He wants you to live out the realities of heaven here on this earth. He does not want you to be dead in order for you to experience the heavenly realities. He wants to bring heaven to earth right now. And so what Paul is saying is don't miss this location. In the heavenlies, God has given you every blessing that you need to live this life, to walk this thing out. But then he gives us the ultimate location. And he says that all of these things happen, the blessing, the blessing, the heavenly realms, because of the person where it says, in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What are you into today? Because this has been the leading question for us through the fall so far. What are you into? I'm here to ask you today, is anybody in Christ Jesus? You should answer with the t-shirt. I'm in. If you are into everything else, you're missing the point. It means that you're in Jesus. Shameless plug, if you've not got your t-shirt yet, there's only a few left. You need to get this because this is why. You would be amazed at the conversations I'm getting with my t-shirt these days. So what are you into? Let me tell you. (laughs) 
Get your bracelet. There's a ton back there. But this idea of I'm in, you could be into so many different things. But what Paul is saying, this is the most spectacular view that you will ever have when it comes to your location. And it is the location of being in Christ Jesus. And here's the best part. Everybody's welcome. Nobody has been cut out. That's why Paul was sent to be the messenger to make sure that the Gentile world knew that it was about Jesus. The Jewish people already knew their Savior, their Messiah, but now there is inclusion to absolutely everybody. And the best part is you can't do anything to earn this because God himself has gotten down on his knees. Here you go. I'm here for you. I'm going to make you into what I see you to be. How cool is that on Thanksgiving Sunday that the God of the heavens and the earth has blessed you with everything that you need. So thank you, Paul, for starting with this prayer because this is a big deal. And when I look at this prayer, I'm going to give you just three things that I see he prays for the Ephesians church. And I will admit to you, that before you even showed up today, I've been praying these three things over you already. And and I know that our pastors continue to pray this way over your lives. We believe this stuff. We want it to happen. And as I mentioned before, that if you were to actually pray this prayer yourself, it could reorient your life today. There could be an apocalypse for your life. I believe that. So here are the three things that Paul prays. Number one, he, that, he prays that, that you will know God better. Anybody want to know God better here today? This is how Paul prays. It's actually pre- pretty simple, but again, you'll notice that in verse 17, this is everything. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, apocalypse, so that you will know him better. I want you to know this about God. God, and I, it was Pastor Tyson who reminded me uh, earlier this morning, he, he, he made this comment um, a couple weeks ago, or within the last couple weeks, that God is not trying to play a grand game of hi- cosmic hide-and-go-seek with you. I want you to know this. God wants to be known himself. He wants his people to come. And I love what Paul does because we want to start talking doctrine. He actually includes us into the story right away in a prayer of all things where he says, listen, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is for doctrine in our church, the Trinity. It is the three-in-one Godhead. And so even Paul so discreetly just kind of dropping some great old doctrine right away. But especially he prays for that, the Spirit to give us wisdom. Anybody want wisdom? Then we go to the book of James and we ask God for wisdom because we can have it, but what do we want wisdom for? To make more money, to make more friends, to get more glory? No, we want wisdom so that we will know him better. I love that prayer from, from Pastor Paul and is what we want for you. I want you to know God better in your lives. I want God to reveal himself to you in a new way this year that will bring the apocalypse that he wants to land inside of you so that you will know who you are. You will know your identity, your location of where you are in, and that you will live your life out. The second thing that he says to us is that he wants you to know hope. Anybody want some hope in your life today? I think this is a good prayer. But I want you to look at this first because hope is connected to your eyesight. This is a weird picture. Your eye or your heart has eyes. 
Somebody draw that out. Stick it on your fridge. Let it be a conversation starter. He says that your, your heart has eyes. And what Pastor Paul prays over our lives today, what we're praying for you, is that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, which is a form of apocalypsis. Is that there will be a reveal that would happen in your life. But here's the interesting thing about the heart. The heart is the seat of everything that you are. It is your emotions, intellect, think, like it is how you feel. The heart is the seat of it all. And what Paul is saying is, I want your heart to have an apocalypse. This is so cool today to see this. But the problem with eyes is that they grow tired, yes? Some of our eyes are tired. In fact, Lisa was even commenting to me this week because she was reading like this, and I noticed that now she was reading like this. And I made the comment to her. I said, it sounds like your eyes are getting tired. She goes, yeah, I need to make an appointment with my eye specialist because I need to adjust so that I could see again. This is exactly what Pastor Paul is saying, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. And I think for some of us, our spiritual eyes, they've grown dull. Some of us were new to faith in Jesus Christ, and I got to tell you, there's nothing more intriguing and fun than watching somebody who's new in their faith because everything is alive. Everything is, yes. But for some of us, and like me, we're, we're kind of dull. We're dim, aren't we? And I love what Pastor Paul is saying. I want you today to know that we can pray a prayer that says, God, may the eyes of my heart be enlightened. The question is, is you're the only one that could say whether or not your eyes are tired or not. So what will you do with it? And notice with the, with the visual of the eyesight and the heart, what Pastor Paul also does. He actually connects what happens in that moment to the riches of his glorious inheritance. Anybody want an inheritance here today? Jake, and I'm surprised you didn't say yes to that because now you're not getting any. Uh, is not even here. I'm not going to give it to her either. Lise, you're all in. All right, like this is good. It's all yours. Like the thing is with this inheritance conversation, we think of it as monetary. It's all about money. Scrap the money. Look at what Pastor Paul is saying. There is an inheritance for you that is grander than just a bank account. In fact, he calls and he says, listen, remember? Blessed be him. Blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. There is a list of blessing that God wants to deposit into your hearts and your lives. And some of our eyes have grown tired, though, to even recognize it anymore. And what Pastor Paul is saying, oh, man, I want that apocalypse. Let's take the, you know, the, uh, let's bring life to what's happening in people's lives right now. And here he goes, listen, there is an abundance, a glorious inheritance. And these blessings that God has for you are incredible. And I know you want to know what those blessings are, but we're going to talk about them for the next two months. So you got to come back. But these blessings, I'm telling you, you talk about reorientation. Like if we truly believe the things that we're about to talk about, it is a game changer. And so he, he lands there. Then he gives us the third thing that he prays for us. And he says that I want you to know power. So we're, our house is at the base of Triangle Mountain. And over the last couple of years, um, this is a pretty typical routine for us. Beep, beep, beep. house shakes, um, press, rinse, repeat. 
And so up on Triangle Mountain, they're kind of getting stuff cleared out as they're building homes and things like this. I mean, this has caused enough damage where even on our countertop, there is now a crack in it, right? So, like, we're talking about this, this thing that's happening on, you know, just up the hill from us, but it is an important one because what is happening on that hill is power is being displayed. It is this thing called dynamite. Can you put the verse back up there? The word power in Greek is the word dunamis, which the English equivalent is dynamite. Pastor Paul is praying, I hope that you'll be a piece of dynamite when it comes to the kingdom of God. He is not asking for that dynamite to wreck you like it may be doing to our counter. He is saying this type of dynamite is going to set the world on fire. It's going to disrupt the advancement of an enemy who is trying to bring the darkness of this world into better light for people. But God is saying, I am asking you to know my power, that you could be little firecrackers for Jesus Christ with dunamis locked into who you are. And to understand all of it, we come back to location today that none of this happens if you are not in Christ. Quit doing it on your own. Quit trying to strive. Land in Christ because it is there where the God of the universe knelt down to bless us. He offered us the greatest gifts ever given. Thank you, Pastor Paul, that today this God wants to know me. So may I know him. Thank you, Pastor Paul, that I can know hope today. And I know some of us in this space today and online, you need hope. And it is linked beautifully to the glorious inheritance of what he wants to give to you. See, God is for you. He's not against you. And he has positioned you right now to be in Christ. And I want to know his power. Here you go, Sean. Be a stick of dynamite in this world. Watch what I'll do through you. So thank you, Pastor Paul, that you pray these things over my life. And we as a church are praying them over you. That's why we're starting with the prayer because it's so jam-packed with truth. And then we're going to look at the blessings over the next number of weeks. The Lord bless you. May he keep you. He shines his face on you. He's gracious to you. The Lord looks to you, and he, when he looks at you, he's like, I like what I see, and I want more. And as Pastor James prayed earlier, may he give you peace. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Earlier, we sang a song together that was gratitude. And I think on a Thanksgiving Sunday, this is a good way to end. There comes a part in this song, and I'm not asking you to do anything. It says, where I throw up my hands. Isn't that the heart of thanksgiving? And isn't that the heart of blessing? What do you got to give God today? Let's bless him because he has blessed us in his incredible riches. And I'll come back and I'll bring us some conclusion. But will you respond to him 
with the things that have been talked about here this morning. But let's come with a heart of gratitude to him. So Pastor Levi, uh, lead us through this.
to bring blessing to him because he blessed us. Offer him your life. Offer him who you are. It's worthy for him. We know it's not much, God. Except for hearts Thank you, God. We bless you today because you've blessed us. Thank you, Father, for kneeling down and offering your arms and your gifts of Jesus to me. Today, we bless your name because of that. I thank you for our location today, that we have the ability to be in Christ. For those of us today that may not be in Christ, I pray that you would give us an apocalypse of what that needs to look like for us. In fact, with every eye closed and head bowed in this place, perhaps you've never landed your life in Christ. And it'd be a privilege for us today to introduce you to him. On the count of three, if you'd like to accept Christ as your location, to be in him, it would be a privilege for us to be able to pray with you and for you. Whether you are in the room or you're online, this opportunity is for you. What a great apocalypse moment to say I'm submitting my life to Jesus. And so if you're in this space today, on the count of three, if that's you, will you raise your hand? Hopefully I can catch your eyes here. And then you can put it back down. But if this is you and you're saying, I want to be in Jesus today as my Savior, this is a good moment for you. One, two, three. Is there anybody in this room today? I want to see. Thank you. Thank you. If that's your prayer today, say, Jesus, I thank you that you've brought apocalypse to my life today. I see you. And I see that in Jesus, there is life and there is hope. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me and my sins. Thank you that you rose again and you're victorious. You are seated in heavenly places and have poured out every spiritual blessing upon my life. I pray that you will teach me to learn what those things are. Thank you today that you have got vision back for me. 
And I pray that you will give me those lenses now to walk in the fullness of Christ Jesus. So I thank you that you have come. You've rescued me today. I love you for that. And Father, I thank you that on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we're able to be reminded of Pastor Paul's words, that the God of the universe knelt down gave me the most beautiful gift that has forever changed my life. I pray that you will help us this week to know God better. I pray that you will help us to know hope, that you will enlighten the eyes of my heart and help me to process and evaluate the amazing blessings and inheritance of God and help me this week to be dynamite. Help me to know your power that allows me to walk and live in this world. And I'll give you thanks for that. So Jesus, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you for what you've done for me. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we say thank you to those who said yes to Christ this morning?